Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for today and into the weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, I am always so excited for Friday, not, not waiting for Friday to come, but excited once I realize it's Friday. And for the work day, it's a good one because I'm always able to look forward to when I'm done, I'm done, right? Done for the weekend. And then Sunday, right? Sunday is a whole different story. Uh, I have a lot to talk about uh, this morning. And some things to this morning that we're going to talk about are about stories, stories, the stories we tell, the stories I have to share with you today. And we have also some other subjects to go into as far as human design. And my intention when I set the show up yesterday was to go into the solar plexus mutation that is occurring in 2027, but is already building up. And interesting because there are so many things, connections and so forth happening in my own personal life right now that are showing me what I'm experiencing is all in preparation for that mutation. It's fascinating. It's fascinating when you're not in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel so good. But when you come through it and you look back, you go, ah, oh, that's the purpose. And in fact, a lot of the pieces of my week and the story I have to share with you this morning didn't start coming together until yesterday and in this morning, right? So bear with me this morning as I share. I'm not going to go too deep into the personal aspect of what I've been experiencing, but I want to share it with you all because if I'm having these experiences, I bet you, you are. <laughs> and if you aren't right this minute, perhaps you will be, or perhaps you have already at some point had an experience, especially because we're sitting here in the middle of this shadow period of time, the collective shadow period. Now, just because it's a collective shadow doesn't mean that it's just going to be out in the collective that we see the shadow occurring, right? It can happen. You are an individual, a fractal, a part of the bigger picture, the bigger collective. So you yourself, and me and everybody that I know and love are carrying a piece of the story of the collective shadow, whatever that might be. And I think sometimes we get a free pass. Like I, I believe I've gone through shadow periods before and gotten a free pass where I did not have to deal with any of the shadow energies. This time is not that time. And it all began on Sunday in what feels to me like a very Eris moment. Eris, the goddess of discord. If you'll remember in uh, mythology, Greek mythology, I believe it is, she is the one who threw the apple of discord, the golden apple, out into a wedding party uh, because she was not included in the wedding party, right? Nobody really liked Eris. She had this whole you know, bitchy sort of uh, demeanor. And so they didn't include her as a guest at the wedding reception. So she got her revenge by throwing out the apple of discord, the golden apple, and it said to the fairest and created a stir amongst the other goddesses that were all claiming the, the I'm the fairest, I'm the fairest. It's, you know, a story that we've told before. In the end, a fight begins and it ends up launching the Trojan War. And we all know that that was a big deal in the whole grand scheme of mythology. So we have this goal. I had this person in my life, a very lovely person who threw out this golden apple of discord at me. I picked up the ball. I picked up the apple and not knowing, you know, totally unconsciously, no, not knowing on the surface what the leap I was doing, right? What was I getting myself into? And uh, in the process, I had my legs cut out from under me. So I want to tell you that every one of you in some ways and some shape or form in this life play the role of angel. And sometimes you play the little devil, right? We all do this because we as souls have placed certain people on our path 
to appear at certain key times to remind us of certain key things. Sometimes that might be something that's pretty awesome and exciting and I love that. And other times it's, oh my God, what the heck did you do to me? And why would you say that? Or why would you do that? And it's the, the whole idea is that these angels are placed on our path to awaken something within us, right? Something that's lying dormant, something that may be a shadow that you haven't yet dealt with, uh, or something that you haven't dealt with in, in its entirety. And so the people in our lives, they play this role for us. And you can't blame them for it. Like, I cannot blame the person that threw out this apple to me. Uh, first of all, I doubt that she really knows that it was the apple of discord, but it was. I cannot blame her because likely I put her in my path. I likely put her there to remind me during this key period of time that I was out of alignment somewhere and that it was time to come back into alignment, whatever that might mean, right? And the moment, of course, it triggered an emotional watershed and I literally, well, probably figuratively, lost my voice, lost my way, lost my vision, lost my ability to see where I was going, who I was, my identity got rocked. And I then couldn't in all good conscience come to the show on Monday morning and be my normal self because I was in the midst of this emotional turmoil. So my apologies for not being there for you all on Monday, but there is something that is so familiar as a part of this story, right? In my own life, but maybe even in yours, where there are times when some kind of chaos erupts, whether it is a tragedy such as I had earlier this year when my son died, whether it is a chance comment uh, that somebody says, or whether it's somebody that almost feels like they were deliberately pushing you in a certain direction. And it has a course correction uh, feel to it, right? It has a, a an emotional gut-checking response that comes up from within you. And luckily, I was able to not turn that outward too much, right? I, I was able to hold that space. But I was still emotional and and angry and upset and confused and uh, I don't even, I can't even tell you that I was sad. I, I, I wasn't really crying. I was just, I don't know what I was just, there is no word for just right there. It was just, just right. I was just out there somewhere, you know, floundering in the emotional field. And what, be, you know, began to happen is I decided at a key moment to clean out my desk, right? If all else fails, clean, right? <laughs> throw things away, clear off the desk, which if you looked at my desk right now, you'd think, oh my God, you didn't clean anything. But I did. <laughs> I got into one of, one of my drawers down here that had a bunch of old stuff, just stuff, a lot of it to do with the Mayan calendar. Because as you know, or some of you know, I used to go out and teach people about the Mayan calendar, especially pre-2012 when there's so much talk about the end of the world, so much talk about the end of the calendar, meaning, you know, that life is over, uh, three days of darkness and blah, you know, on and on and on. There was a bunch of stuff. And I wanted to make sure people had the truth, right? Or as much as the truth as I could share with them, my understanding of the Mayan calendar, what was happening. So I had amassed a lot of information, a lot of notes, and they were in this drawer. So along with some other things. So I was going through, taking things out, shredding. I must have shredded, I don't know, 100 sheets of paper that were uh, from clients from years ago. I don't know why I kept them, but I did. And I shredded them up. And then I came to this file and uh, I went, oh, there is my Mayan astrology report. This report was done for me back in 20. 13, maybe, maybe 2011, maybe 2011. I think it was before the end of the calendar. And I had kept it and it was in all of my Mayan calendar things. And I pulled that file out and I, and I went, oh my gosh, it was even opened up to this one part of who I am, which represents my shadow, 
Now, I can't make this shit up, right? I'm not making this up. I'm experiencing the worst kind of shadow personally ever that I experienced. The shadow being so palpable that I couldn't even talk, really. I couldn't even verbalize anything I was feeling, sensing, thinking. And I open this drawer, throw out a bunch of stuff and come across the one thing, this one report opened up exactly to where it was that I needed to read about the shadow, the deepest, darkest part of myself that I was holding. And I can tell you, there's synchronicity in the world when you let go of some things, right? Synchronicity, Tom Tom can tell us all about synchronicity, both in the positive, but there's also synchronicities that happen when you're in the deepest, darkest places. The synchronicity here was that I ended up not broadcasting on Monday and instead went to this drawer to sort of salve my anger by, you know, shredding and getting rid of stuff that I no longer needed. I come across a report that rocks my world, rocks my world and reminds me, shows me with in no uncertain terms what I'm dealing with. Only at that moment, I read, I read it and it hits me and I'm like, oh, but it still hasn't really hit me, right? It hasn't really sunk in yet uh, that, you know, there's something here for me to really consider. And I got to tell you, one of my deepest, darkest shadows, unsurprisingly to me, as I read it was about self-worth, right? Self-worth, being worthy and how part, and this is going to come into play with the astrology of the moment, that a part of my worthiness is tapping into the numbers, the numbers of listeners, the numbers of people that uh, download my podcasts or numbers of readings, dollars that I bring in, all of this stuff, right? And that's not probably unfamiliar to a lot of you. And uh, that happened to be the trigger for me was this idea of these numbers and me, me reducing my life to numbers that that would serve to make me believe that my value was less than what it is. And so when I read this, I was like, whew, explosion, right? So now I'm starting to come out of this little bit of darkness, right, that I've been in. So Tuesday, Tuesday night, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Yesterday was Thursday. So this must have been on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I'm getting better, right? I'm getting out of this. I'm feeling a little more uh, equin, equin, whatever that word is, equanimous. Uh, I have more equanimity, let's put it that way. And I turned on Gaia TV. And again, these are synchronicities, right? These are synchronicities that are building up. And I happened to catch an episode of Open Minds with Regina, and I can't think of what her last name is, but it's an, an, an such a fascinating show, and she has 21 seasons of things, and I, I fast-forwarded to the 21st season, and she was talking to this man. I did not know what his name was. My first impression of this man was that he was a biker boy, and he was huge, big, like, presence, like, he, he was big physically as well, but he had a huge presence. And his name ended up being Kadrick, and uh, he is a medium, clairvoyant, clairsentient. He teaches people how to develop the clairs, right, in their uh, their intuition. And as I am, I'm sort of doing some coloring, right? My go-to when I get uh, upset is to color. And I had this beautiful book, uh, Tangled Magic, it was called. And so I've been coloring in this book while I've been going through all of this. And he lifts up his arm and right here on his arm is a tattoo. And on that arm is a tattoo of a symbol that hit me so hard that I actually reached out to him that night and connected, went to his, I, I, as soon as I found out who he was, I went to his website and I hit his contact page up and uh, asked him what the heck that symbol was. Because here's another part of the story. 20 years ago, 19 years ago, actually, um, I had been in an uproarious argument with a friend. And I came home that night really disturbed. She had said something that went cross purposes to what my beliefs are. Um, and I was upset with her over her, you know, spewing out these things that I just knew could not be right. And I went to, so I came home, I went to bed 
and I had a dream. And in my dream, my oldest daughter, Heather, walks up to my front door and I open the door to let her in. And she says, here, mom, this is a message for you. And she hands me a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper is a symbol. And I'm going to show you the symbol. I'm going to share my screen really quickly. First, let me make sure that's open. And I'm going to share the symbol with you because for 20 years, almost, I have been searching for the meaning of this symbol. Now, at the time that the symbol came to me in the dream or that she delivered me this message in the dream, uh, I was getting ready to open up a metaphysical bookstore, which we called Mystic Moon. And so I was coming into contact with a whole bunch of people, uh, people, metaphysical people that I'd never met before. And so I would take the symbol to them and I would show it to them. And I would hear things, oh, like that's a Dharma wheel. Oh, that's a, a wheel of fortune or, oh, that's a, a astrology wheel. And so people had all of these various things that they told me they thought that this symbol meant. And, um, none of it felt right. None of it felt right. It didn't sit with me. And so I've been sitting for 20 years, almost with this symbol in my head, and not ever knowing what the meaning was. In that day and time, the very next day after I had the dream, my daughter Heather came to me and told me in real life that she was pregnant. And so I thought, Oh, well, maybe the symbol that she was bringing me had something to do with the baby. And it was on a light blue piece of like parchment paper. So I thought, oh, she must be having a boy. Well, she didn't have a boy. She had Mackenzie, Mackenzie, my granddaughter. And uh, so I still didn't know what this freaking symbol meant. And it's, you know, driven me crazy all those years. So then I see this on this man's arm and I'm like, oh, my God. And now. I reached out to him. So now it's Thursday, yesterday morning. So yesterday, Thursday, Asa and I meet, and you know that Asa and I are working on a new podcast. So we're, you know, both downloading to each other our frustrations from the week or whatever it is that we're working on. And I tell her about the symbol, right? But the guy hasn't answered me back yet, right? So I don't know what this symbol means yet. So Asa, this is a part of the story that you don't know yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm working um, with her on all kinds of things. And we're talking about shadow and, you know, she's helped me to realize a couple of connections about what all of this means for me. And, uh, and hopefully Asa, I was able to help you too. Who knows? You know, sometimes you're the giver, sometimes you're the receiver. And as soon as I hung up from Asa, there was an email from Kadrick. And he told me that the symbol, he said that I'm sure you're talking about the one that's on my right arm, uh, is called the Helm of Awe. It is a Viking symbol that is a gift given when you've slain a dragon. And I'm getting chills. I'm just getting chills. I'm just getting chills, getting chills, getting chills, because not only is it that, but it was the women in the Norse mythologies and the women in the Norse and Viking uh, tribes that were seen as the religious leaders. They were the spiritual ones. They were the ones that gifted the gifts of protection. And they were the ones that were looked to for signs, runes, right? The runes and the signs that the runes would bring about whether this was a good time for conflict or was this a good time to do something or not do something. So the women were the ones, and it is my daughter delivering me this message in this dream, but it was so long before that I almost didn't catch what the meaning was until this morning when I was putting on my mascara and almost popped my eye out because I just went, oh, that I've slain a dragon, right? I've slain the shadow, the shadow energy that was the apple of discord thrown out to me on Sunday that took me into a deep dive so deep that I couldn't even use my voice in any kind of positive way to come to talk to all of you. And I'd slain that dragon. I didn't give up. I didn't throw in the towel as it were, because I was close. <laughs> I was close to just saying this is all too hard. Luckily, I have a defined will center in my human design because it keeps me going and going and going, even when I feel beaten down. 
or even when things look bleak. So I've slain the dragon and I've been gifted again the helm of awe as a protection, as a reminder that we we have these trials and these tribulations, these shadows that we have to come to uh, peace with, that, that when we do our work, we are gifted in some way, right? We are gifted. And uh, that is my story. Uh, Asa said, and we were talking, you mentioned you felt it was Norse well before this guy validated it. Yes, that's right, Asa. I did. I really did feel like it, it made me, it reminded me when my son, Brian and Wesley, they were both maybe eight, nine years old at the time I started Mystic Moon, maybe, maybe a little older. Yeah, I'm not sure how old they were, but probably 10-ish, um, 10 and 11, maybe. And uh, they used to both, they loved swords, right? They loved swords. And they used to tell me they were Vikings that 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 they lived and if you've ever seen a picture of brian and wesley both now with you know these beards that turned reddish right red like i'm blonde or i was blonde before i turned gray um their beards were blonde and red blonde and red so when you started to look at them as young men they really did begin to resemble norse viking men right and um it was amazing to me right and wesley used to tell me about adventures as a Viking and he stood jump up and down on my bed with his sword, not a real sword guys. So it's not like I gave him a metal sword to cut himself up with. Um, but he, eventually he begins to even, you know, make chain mail or leather bound sort of garments that they like they would have worn then. So, so inured in this tradition that I didn't even recognize it as likely a past life, right? Past lives that our family dynamic likely springs from something uh, from the Norse time period or the Viking time period. And it was, it, so it's just amazing that this is an experience that I've had. And then the uh, magic continues this morning, right? The magic continues actually last night as I was deciding, what am I gonna talk about today? I really wanted to share the story and I did this without going into the details because I don't think the details are so important as the bigger picture of almost, you know, rising to the occasion, there was a dragon in my world, right? I had to face a dragon. You might've called it a demon. There's an inner demon or an inner dragon that I had to face, that I had to look at, that was uncomfortable, that was ugly, that was unfortunately very difficult or fortunately, right? I don't know. And then the gifts, the synchronicities start to pile up because the moment you say yes to the universe, I'll work through this. I'll face this down. You begin to be gifted by the universe with synchronicity. Synchronicity is the universe speaking to us, right? And moving through that, all of these different things began to pop up on my pathway to show me what all of this means, to put it all together, if you will, to sew it up, right? to make it have a tapestry meaning in my own life. And the synchronicity about it is this morning, as I'm going to move into the topic of the day, which is really about the changes that are arising in our human design template, as we start to move, we're at 2022 folks, and that, that change begins very much in 2027. And as this is part of a 500 year cycle, we're in the, the, the cusp of it now. So people like me, perhaps, or maybe all of you who are very spiritually minded, you're already coming to terms with some of these things so that you can embody that leap, that evolution when it comes. So now's the time, right? The, this is now the time for us to move through all of these things. And as I was preparing then, looking back over all of my notes and all of the things I've ever read about this um, coming solar plexus mutation, I come upon this one part about the will center and a part of the change that it's going through. The will center is called the heart center. And the biggest part of the transition that we'll go through is in the connection between the emotional solar plexus and the will center. And I have a defined will center. Most of you will not have a defined will center. Most of you will have that little triangle next to the yellow diamond or white diamond 
and it'll be white because seven eighths of the population does not have access to sustainable willpower. I have it, right? I have that. So it gives me the will, the sheer determination, stubbornness, maybe to get through all of this stuff. But that's so that I can bring it to you, right? Maybe I'm experiencing it so you don't have to, or that you don't have to have it as um, difficult uh, as maybe I've had it, or to help you if you're in the difficulty of it to understand that this is all a part of your plan. And when we look at the will center or the heart center, it is the center of value, right? It is it is a center that translates value, like the untangible value of, of, of ourselves, but of the world into the material planes. So it really brings out the value and then demonstrates the value by what we focus on, what we purchase, how we spend our dollars, how we spend our time, etc. So you can look at the will center. Uh, and in fact, maybe I should share my screen a little bit here with you guys. One second, let me let me do that so I can show you what it looks like at the same time we're talking about it. Uh, share screen. Chrome tab. There we go. All right. So this is the mandala. Uh, the astro design mandala that I've been using for a while now that I really love to look at because it shows us the uh, energy of the sun in Pisces, right? The gate 37. It shows us where the gate 37 is right here on the solar plexus. It shows us where the uh, earth is and the earth is in Virgo and in the will center. And this is one of those times in human design where the sun and the earth come together and form a channel. Because many times, as you know, when I'm showing you this screen, you're seeing maybe uh, the sun up here and the earth is down here, right? You're seeing them in two different centers. But there are times that come around, they're not very often, but there are times that come around when the earth and the sun form a channel. And this is one of those weeks. And this particular channel is also a channel that is vitally involved in the solar plexus mutation as it is a part of the incarnation cross please don't get logged bogged down in all of that maybe uh, think of this as the destiny cross of energy that the world has been experiencing since oh about 1650 ish 1650 1600 something right and this is the cross that is about to change and it's moving from one kind of energy to a completely different kind of energy. So in the process, the centers involved in the cross also change. And so when we get to a week like this one where it's highlighted because of the sun and the earth, it gives us an opportunity to talk about what is this energy going to look like? Where is it taking us? This is called in traditional human design, the channel of community the channel of community. And it is usually it moves from the emotional center to the heart center. So it moves from the 37 to the 40. So typically you're going to see the channel named the 3740, the channel of community. But it's this is um, creating of community and the agreements that we make within the bounds of the communities that we form to live in trust, to form agreements that are fair, that are maybe family oriented, because there's a huge family connection here. I carry this whole channel, by the way, this is what defines my, my personal will center is this whole channel. So that was uppermost in my mind as I was sitting here thinking about our uh, community here. And I don't know if you all know this about me, but I think of all of you as family. I've never once thought, oh, that's Susie, or that's Asa, or that's Tom, or that's whoever, right? Uh, anybody, all of you named, um, it, your family, right? I come here every morning to chat with my family, to share what I know with my family. And it's this channel, right? This channel is more than just community. It's looking at community and treating the community as a family. And in the, the community here, we have these two gates. The gate 37 is called the gate of peace or the gate of harmony. Um, and it is in the gene keys. When we look at this gate, it has 
uh, a weakness energy is the shadow weakness, the shadow of weakness. And it moves into the gift of equality. And then in its highest expression, it is tenderness. Now, those words at first blush don't really make sense in the in the in to me, maybe they do perfectly to you. Uh, at least at first, they didn't make too much sense to me. But when you think about the divine feminine energy, and this has a distinctly feminine edge to it, uh, especially because the 37 is Pisces and Pisces is a feminine sign that the feminine has always been looked upon as the weaker sex, at least through the patriarchal times, at least through this time that we'd been experiencing the divine masculine in, in, and all of the things that have been going on with the patriarchy. And, and there's a logical reason, I'm sure, why it was that we moved from matriarchy to patriarchy. And now as we are beginning to make this shift where we become more balanced, we are really looking at the gift in all of this is equality. Equality, equal in the way that we treat one another, equal in value. And when we look upon each other in that sort of way, then we create tenderness, right? Then we can see each other with softer eyes. Then we treat each other and ourselves even in a softer way. So this isn't about weakness, being weak because you're tender, being weak because we're equal. Nobody's losing anything here. The divine masculine isn't losing anything. The divine feminine isn't really gaining anything. It's everybody's coming into equality here. The energies are coming into equality in order to become more of a community. Because we've been translating value in this country, in this world, on the, on the earth, based on money and resources and the material realm. So scarcity has been the driver here. Scarcity has been the driver of every war, everything that has ever come up as a conflict in the world. And you can go back to other times, right, where there, even in recent history, where we wanted more oil, we felt like we were running out of oil, or that we were going to have inflation because oil was scarce. And so we, we invade other countries or other people's space to grab oil, a resource that we felt we needed that was in scarcity. We're not acting from abundance. And the biggest change that is coming upon us in this particular channel is all of that idea of scarcity and scrabbling for resources, whether it's food or oil or water or land or you name it, you can fill in the blank, is shifting to enoughness. So we get a sort of preview in this particular week because now all of you, every one of you, no matter what your human design looks like by birth, now has this defined will center or the uh, center that translates value on the material plane and have a defined emotional center through the gate of peace and harmony that is going to allow you access to a way to calibrate what your emotions are with where your heart is. So if we break this down a little bit further, what we can see here in this very powerful channel during this next, this from, let's see, today, hold on, I'll give you the dates again, or I didn't give them to you yet, February 24th, actually, that started Thursday, yesterday, right, today's the 25th, oops, there goes my dream catcher, uh, so it began on Thursday when I started having all of the ahas, how funny is that, another synchronicity, right, uh, so, um, it be it goes from February 24th until March 1st, so until Tuesday of uh, next week, where we all have this defined, where we all get to look inside of us for sustainability and enoughness, right? Enoughness, and in enoughness, when we when we form a community and we know that we're enough, that we have enough that our value isn't in the numbers, the money in your bank account, uh, or in uh, how, how much you can spend. Um, it 
it becomes us sharing from a more sustainable place, right? From sustainability. And that's where we are, right? That's where we are is in a time where we can begin to question the agreements because this channel also is about agreements that we've made with one another. It's a channel of the bargains that we've made. And now we have a time where we can re-adopt new ideas, new bargains, new agreements, new contracts that are based in sustainability, that are based in enoughness and not in scarcity. And you got to know this. It's going to shake up the banking system. It's going to shake up how we sell property, how we buy and sell property, how we treat animals, how we treat the earth, right? How we treat the mother, right? How do we treat each other? This is literally moving us into a time where almost everything that you can think of is going to be impacted. And we've already seen little synchronicities, little clues um, that this time is changing. Uh, people, for example, like Marianne Williamson, who uh, I don't know if you guys, well, most of you are from the U.S., so you know that she was a candidate at some point for the president of the United States. And the very a thought that a woman who was a very highly spiritual being was running for president just blew my mind, right? Blew my mind. But more than that, she adopted a thought that we should create, if we have a Department of Defense or a, depart, a war department, that we also needed one to counterbalance that, to bring in equality, we needed a Department of Peace. Because peace is more than just the absence of war. In fact, if you look up the definition of peace, it's often said just like that, peace is the absence of war. We need a new definition. We need a new definition of what does peace mean? So here we have the opportunity, redefine peace, redefine enoughness, redefine your value and what you value, right? We've already had this set up for us because we just come through Venus in retrograde and Venus in retrograde was going through the sign of Capricorn that represents the agreements and the institutions that uphold those agreements that we've made as human beings, whether we thought we were part of them or not, right? Uh, all of us. And we see things like uh, in Canada, the big uh, freedom convoy, and we've seen different movements, Black Lives Matter, the women's movement. Um, uh, I mean, it goes into almost every fabric where there is this feeling that we've got to change things, but it isn't going to change unless we ourselves change. So here's the key, right? We also have to be uh, the, the ones that make the change. So we have to look at ourselves differently. So when we look at that emotional center and how it connects to the heart center or the will center, there is a possibility that we need to recalibrate. We have this opportunity to recalibrate this week. How do we recalibrate ourselves to enoughness? How do we become more aware of our intrinsic value? And intrinsic value means there's nothing I must do or say in order to have value. That I'm a valued part of the community. I'm a valued part of the planet, of the galaxy, because I am. I am. For whatever I'm contributing, right? It doesn't matter whether I'm the queen. It doesn't matter whether I'm the toilet cleaner. I am participating in my world, in my community, my family, as a valuable part that doesn't need to be seen as what I can do for you, but it's more about who I am, who, who I be in all of that. So the pathway for us to create sustainable agreements with each other, with uh, the between the people and their governments, between the people and their, uh, at all levels, right? The people in their families, the peoples in their communities has to be based in enoughness. We can't be scrabbling over what we think of as resources that are in short supply. Now, I'm not saying that it might not be true. Maybe water is scarce in certain countries or in certain places. But if we 
if we allow ourselves to tap into the scarcity rather than the enoughness, the solutions aren't going to be based on creating more enoughness. They're going to be based in fear that we have to take from our brothers or sisters in order to sustain ourselves. And that is simply not true, right? That is, there's plenty of water on this planet, right? Plenty of water on this planet. We have to be a little more ingenious about how we get it to people, right? And that's just one thing, right? There's just, that's just one thing, right? Let's think about uh, things that are artificially scarce. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I, I freaking love avocados. And the, let's see, was it last weekend, weekend before I read an article about avocados are going to be scarce, right? The price of avocados is going to go up because something happened in Mexico and Mexico supplies 80 or 60% of the avocados to the U.S. And so get your avocados now. <laughs> and I went, oh, is this, is this like toilet paper? Is this like copper wire? I mean, is this real? Is this fake? Is this being generated from scarcity? And the, the, the predictable outcome is that anybody, most people who read that article or who heard that went out and started buying avocados. And we then imperil the avocado supply because we're hoarding avocados. I don't know about you, but you can't really hoard them. They go bad very quickly. So that's just one little thing, right? One little thing. And this brings me to this whole Ukraine-Russia deal that's going on because it's another potential war. I don't know, is it a land grab? Is it a supply chain thing? I happen to notice that Russia herself is primarily landlocked. There's, you know, she's got the, the coastal um, Eastern Pacific, Western Pacific. But is there some reason, a, a pipeline perhaps, an oil pipeline? that if they were able to, they would have more oil. I don't know, because I don't really want to know. <laughs> I don't really want to wax political here. But it's a great thing for us to look at as yesterday, as we shifted into this new idea of what agreements we are making with one another, based on sustainable enoughness, we see an invasion of a sovereign country by another sovereign country. And it can't be anything based on, I, I guarantee you, this isn't based on sustainability. I guarantee you, this is an agree and is not an agreement made between these countries that there's aggression here, that there is a demand that, you know, give me my just due. I'm bigger than you. I can use my might and I can take what isn't necessarily mine by force because I can because my value system isn't based on enoughness. My value system is based on money, the material realm, the resources that I can share, that I can, that I can hoard for myself. So look in your own lives, right? Where are you doing that in your own, in your own life, right? Where are you hoarding your time, your money, your love, um, and not being openly sharing with others, uh, that you could be, uh, you know, looking at the giving and the receiving is all part of creating a sustainable world. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's amazing, right? When we look at the 40, we got to look at the 40 because the 40 sits on the uh, heart center. The 40 is the pathway to sustainable agreements, really. It is uh, where our will to be in community greets our emotional self and creates that pathway, right? Creates that agreement. Um, I don't know. Have you guys been watching the uh, Changing of the Gods? Um, it is a, a nine-part series that is free if you watch it for that day. They, they give you 24 hours to watch each episode. But you also have the opportunity to purchase the whole uh, episode and stuff for like $179, which in and of itself is, you know, not a bad price. But um, watching this uh, show has been also showing us where our values have not been put in placed in the right area, right? We've not been valuing. Uh, we, we're not walking our talk, right? We planned on getting uh resources to everyone but somehow the one percent 
has the bulk of the resources and the 99% is scrabbling for resources. And I, I, I'm not, this isn't like a, another, again, this isn't political. This is just kind of a picture of, you know, our world right now. And the question we should be asking is that what's it going to take in order to, to create a more sustainable world? Um, we might have to give up some of our cherished things, ideas like capitalism, uh, consumerism. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that we should or, or anything, but there's got to be a different way, right? We, we got to think outside of that box. We have to think with sustainability in mind, with sharing in mind, with creating enoughness in mind so that sometimes some maybe naturally we come to this agreement or we come to this realization that we're not going to get there based on some of the systems that we have some of the institutions that we have in place right now and uh i really believe that it's going to be people power that's going to push us in that direction right it's going to be those people those truckers that gather at the border uh it's going to be those people that amass and say no more right it's going to be uh, the groups of us that come together in community and put our heads together, put our hearts together, put our tools together, put our creativity together. And oh, by the way, the emotional solar plexus is the center of creativity. So the gate 37 is also generating some creative agreements, creative new solutions to the problems of the past. So we have creativity that we can apply to these situations that can lift us up right? That can lift us up, that can move us into this new direction. So as the solar plexus mutation takes shape over the next five years, um, maybe we'll stop using numbers as a value system or as a metric. Maybe we'll stop using the number of dollars in my bank account that make me feel like I can do this, right? That I'm good, that I'm solid, that I'm worthy. It's going to be a big ask. And I don't think it comes from outside in. It's going to come from inside of us out, right? It's going to have to come from, it's going to be a transition, a, a transformation, a transfiguration from the inside out. And you are all playing that part. And there's so much more we could talk about with this. But I also want to talk about the weekend a little bit. There are no major aspects for the weekend. Hallelujah. I kind of feel good about that because I've already been through hell this week. Do I want more? Not necessarily. And we are still in the shadow period, right? We don't get out of the collective shadow period until March 4th. So next week, we have another week. I feel like maybe we're on the downsloping side of this, that there's light at the end of that uh, shadowy tunnel. Um, but I, I also posted up for you guys this morning a picture from my Star th Map 3D uh, app. Uh, because I got up, I, I put my feet, swing my feet out of bed and I look out my window and right there out my window is the planet Venus and the moon. They were literally almost like this, like the, the moon was probably just a little bit higher than Venus, but they were like almost in the same plane with one another. And of course I see Venus and I know that I should be seeing Mars, even though I wasn't seeing Mars because Mars is there too. So I posted that picture up for everybody to take a look at. Because the moon at that moment in time was conjunct the galactic center. And I could see it in the picture that I shoot, that I, I put up on Facebook for everybody to see. That constellation is the archer, the Sagittarius constellation. And the moon is sitting at the tip of the arrow or very darn near to it. And we know that the arrow of Sagittarius points at the galactic center. When we look at it by degrees, you look at Sagittarius in your chart today and at the one that I drew up at 943 East Coast time this morning, uh, it was at 2855 of Sag and that's right at the galactic center, right? A degree right around it. So the galactic center brings us the potentials, right? All of that potential lies right here within our grasp. All we have to do is bring it in, allow it in, allow new ideas, possibilities, inspiration, uh, allow it to bring us the new, right? So the galactic center, the moon sitting there, bringing that, ferrying it in as it were uh, to us. And then 
uh, not long after that, the moon moves into Capricorn. It did that at 8.37, so maybe 20 minutes ago here, my time, 8.37 a.m. So now the moon is in the sign of Capricorn. And we know that we also have Mars, Venus, <laughs> and uh, Pluto in Capricorn. So that means also that uh, uh, the moon is going to hit some very powerful planets over the weekend. So while we don't have big planetary, you know, uh, fireworks going on, the moon is going to generate some of her own, right? Passing through uh, the sign of uh, rulership by Saturn. So we have a Saturn sort of connection here. Capricorn will be the sign the moon is in until late Sunday morning, my time, early Sunday afternoon, for those of you on the East Coast, when he then moves into Aquarius. But for the rest of today and all of tomorrow and a chunk of Sunday, we're going to be looking at future security. But it operates in the now. When the moon is in Capricorn or any planets in Capricorn are operating in the now, but with an eye to how do I strengthen the foundation for tomorrow? And of course, Saturn is all about the foundation, right? Doing the responsible thing. What is the responsibility that we have to ourselves, to others, to build something from the bottom up, not trying to put a roof on when we haven't built the foundation yet, right? So we have the future security at stake, but it's operating in the now moment. And that brings up responsibility and duties and obligations that we have. But all of that is based in our commitment, our commitment to whatever it is that we are working on. Maybe it's a commitment to ourselves, to our own hearts. That's a worthy commitment. Maybe it's a commitment to our partners. Maybe it's a commitment to our business. Maybe it's a commitment to our health, our money. You just go on and on, right? Wherever Capricorn is in your chart, it's sort of going to show you where your commitment and responsibility and duty and obligations are right at this moment. Reaching goals, right? Reaching goals, but in a stepwise fashion. Capricorn teaches us to take one step at a time. It's a very generator-like sign. Generators need to take the steps one at a time. Manifesting generators juggle, but generators, one step, one foot in front of the other, and then the next step appears. So we learn to take that step-by-step -step approach. And then in doing all of that, success and recognition come. Yes, Saturn brings us success and recognition, reward and award when we do our due diligence, when we do our work. When we step into our power, Saturn gives us authority. And in our authority, we have success and recognition um, and empowerment, empowerment, right? Um, when we are also looking at the fact Pluto sits there, empowerment is also a key theme. And we let go of control, right? The will center in human design, it can also has a, a very powerful gate on it called the gate of control. And it is one of the shadow energies on the planet control, right? Whether you are the controller or the controlled, if you're the controlled in some way, you're becoming, you are buying into the victim status, right? Victim energy. If you're the controller, in some ways, there's fear operating behind the scenes. So we can look at some of these things that might come up this weekend as uh, what am I trying to control? What is, uh, what am I being controlled by? And how do I create a path of freedom for myself in all of this? And freedom is an important theme because as the weekend winds down, we move in, the moon moves into Aquarius, whose big theme is freedom, freedom, innovation, uh, unique viewpoints, thinking outside of the box um, and, you know, getting uh, your own personal self engaged in the world, right? Because you're part of the tapestry of the world. So. Thankfully, we don't have any major planetary aspects. I don't know that I could handle much more than the moon moving through Capricorn this weekend. Now, I haven't gotten to take a look at comments this morning, so let me take a quick look and make sure there aren't any um, questions. Uh, Susie says, I am a Capricorn moon. So you're going to have a moon return, a lunar return, a whole sign fifth house. So a lunar return, maybe instigating a new path of creativity, a new path for love and romance. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Pam Zaruba, love that app. Thanks for the info. Uh, you can also change the dates. Ooh, I did not know that. I haven't looked at it that closely, but I love that app because it gives us so much information about, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest and it just so happens today's this beautiful sunny day, but often we don't see the sky, right? We don't see the sky. I mean, I can look up and see clouds, but I don't see the planets. So the app is uh, helpful so that I can visualize, you know, some of these beautiful things that are happening in the sky. Uh, going back, uh, Tom, hello, Tom. And Susie says, it's a fear tactic. We need to look beyond fear. Here in Canada, there's a run on pierogies. <laughs> I mean, isn't that funny? I mean, the things that people will, like I could never figure out during um, COVID, the height of COVID, why it was there was a run on toilet paper, because it's not like the symptoms of COVID were really about you know, having diarrhea <laughs> or, or having issues that toilet paper would be needed in high supply. So it, it just didn't make sense. Just like it doesn't make sense right now that the, the excuse for avocados being scarce had something to do with a conflict in Mexico uh, between growers and the drug cartel. I, I'm sure it makes sense on some in some weird way, but it doesn't make sense to me. So uh, why would drug cartels have a problem with supplying avocados. I don't know. Uh, Tom, it's a false flag. No doubt that's a false flag, but for what? Uh, so um, Natasha, good morning to you. She says, I'm so grateful that you had the inner strength to get through your inner war or that part of yourself that just needed to break through. I know I too was doing a lot of the same work this week. Um, I remember on Friday, Pia and Colin were with us last Friday. And she said that we were at this crescendo point, like that, you know, this is probably the more intense period of time that we would be going through this. Of course, I didn't remember that when I was in the throes of this issue that I was having, um, but I remembered afterwards and I went, oh, of course. So you're right on time. Heather Scott, good morning to you. She says, we are all enough. What a relief to breathe that in. I love that. Sue McCarthy, hello to you. Working from the heart center. Uh, we need each other for the balance and all, says J-Lo. Good morning to you, J-Lo. Um, Tammy Smith, good morning to you. She says, I have that channel defined too. Awesome information today. You're most welcome. Um, J-Lo says, okay, let's get this week going. Get our little tribe through this. You know, we can get through anything together. That's the point, right? Is that nobody has to face any of this stuff that we're going through alone that we all have friends, family, a community that we can get support from and give support to. And that's the important thing to remember here. Tom says, how's this for serendipity and synchronicity? I'm wearing a pink t-shirt too. <laughs> and I'm sure it says something fun. Um, so there's that. Uh, Susie, that was a wonderful story. Glad you found this beautiful answer. It was so I just can't even tell you a 20 year mystery solved. And I, I don't even think it's solved necessarily because I'm still not sure where it all comes from. Why would I send myself that message? I don't know. I don't know that I have to know either, but it's fun to consider because <laughs> I like to think being a Gemini and all that. Uh, Janet, do you know any year of the dragons? Yes. 2004, I believe was a year of the dragon. So 12 years later would have been another year of the dragon. I think that would have been 2016 because they go in, in cycles of 12. So the next year of the dragon then of 2016 was one would be 2026. I believe you guys can check on that and see if it's right or wrong. And awesome. Tanya says, okay, this is yet another synchronicity. My 10 year old son makes cardboard swords and weapons. My eight year old is obsessed with dragons. <laughs> I wonder, right? I just wonder we're all a part of this community. Were we all together in a Viking settlement? <laughs> were we all together in that Icelandic Nordic uh, part of the world? Um, I don't know what to say about that, except likely, yeah, right? There's that part of our history, our story that um, that there's there's a so so much magic in all of that, right? To be able to consider all of the experiences, the sum total of who we are, uh, 
and what we've been, right? And all of that is within us. And I believe transits come along and trigger a cellular memory. And then those things come up, right? Something triggered that cellular memory for me and I dreamed it, but it felt so real. And then I'm experiencing something in the real world where I really do feel like I've come through a week where I've slain a dragon. Not that I would want to slay a dragon, but the dragon representing something difficult or something big. And I think our kids, you know, our, our, our kids remember this. So indulge them, right? Indulge them, teach them about the, I, you know what I, one of my very earliest memories of drawing anything, I drew a Viking ship. I drew a Viking ship, you know, it was like the kind that had the big, the, the big things that come to the top with like a dragon head on one side, and maybe there was a dragon on the other side. That was the first thing I ever remember drawing as a, as a student in school, a, a Viking ship. What the heck? I just now remembered that. Hmm. All right, let's draw some cards, shall we? I'm going to draw, funny enough, I'm going to draw a dragon card. And as much as I want to draw an animal card, I feel like I also need to draw a star seed card. So let's see what dragons come to support us, right? So, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure is that I, I said it as I've slain a dragon, but dragons aren't all bad, right? They're not necessarily always, you know, here to hurt us. They, they're, they're very much powerful beings. This is a beautiful one. An air and fire dragon expands your creative energies. Harness your creativity, excitement, and enthusiasm. Communicate your passion. That's a good one. Isn't that beautiful? So it's an air and fire dragon. Can't wait to read this message. Uh, air and fire dragons are probably fifth dimensional. Let's see what dimension you are. Um air and fire is fourth dimensional air and fire dragons so 32 all right shimmering fourth dimensional blue and orange air and fire dragons are very vocal they love to express themselves and make their presence known they often create turbulence as they swirl around us air mixes with fire to ignite an explosion of creativity enthusiasm and aliveness these dragons make us feel happy, excited, and sometimes a little unsettled or even overwhelmed. At the same time, the element of fire transmutes lower energies and clears the path of our destiny, while air enables us to communicate our passion at a soul level. Choosing this card indicates it is time to harness your gifts and talents for your highest good and that of the uh, good of the world. You have something in your soul to bring forward, so your guidance is to decide what, your, what fires your enthusiasm then trust your inner wisdom to talk about it. Take a chance and step into your path of true happiness and creativity. Remember that excitement and passion are magnetic qualities and will draw the right people and situations to you. This card suggests that circumstances may present themselves to you in which you will be required to make a rapid decision using your intuition and discernment rather than logic. The air and fire dragon who has come to you is telling you to trust yourself. You have all you need to make the right choice. With your air and fire dragon beside you, success is ensured. So here we go. We have this beautiful air and fire dragon. Gotta love it. All right. And just because I feel sort of galactic today, since we've been talking a little about the galactic center, let's draw a star seed oracle card, shall we? This is a fairly new deck, so the cards aren't as limber. I haven't worked them through as much. Today's card is called the Blue Flame, Spontaneous Awakening, Activation, and Integration Time. Blue Flame. Blue Flame. Does this card have a number? No, these are not numbered. But it's beautiful. All right, let's see what this one means. Let's say throw it. The Blue Flame. Let's see, are you going to be under the? Yes. All right. So 
This is a card of awakening and energetic upgrades. Perhaps you're going through a period of spontaneous awakening, receiving visions and having experiences that are out of the ordinary. <laughs> I'll say. In the West, little is known about the process of a spontaneous awakening, and it can feel very scary when we're going through it alone. Elsewhere, they can be seen as auspicious experiences with those going through them being treated with tender care. Remember, tenderness is one of our key words. The blue beings are thought to be activating beings with great potential for healing and upgrading our cellular structures. They appear in moments of extreme awakening, activating a physical kundalini awakening and deep cellular and DNA healing. Many people glamorize the awakening process. However, in reality, it's much messier and more difficult than most of us believe. We must first let go of what we think we know for sure and how we make sense of the world. This isn't easy. The awakening process, even when it's spontaneous, takes a considerable amount of time to integrate and awakening without integration can leave us feeling very ungrounded. If you're in the midst of an awakening, the process never ends. Uh, treat this time as deeply sacred and give yourself ample space to ground and integrate the extreme changes you're going through. Here's our starseed activation. Place the card on the portal of your heart and whisper the following. So because I'm the one with the card, right, I'm going to hold it to my heart. You guys can do this in uh, just a visualization of that card at your heart. I allow myself to surrender to the awakening process that's right for me. I take things slowly and integrate my experience each and every day. I allow myself to surrender to the awakening process that's right for me. I take things slowly and integrate my experience each and every day. The blue flame. All right, guys, that's it for me. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and take care of yourselves. Think about how you are aligning with values and enoughness and your own value. And I will see you on Monday. Much love to all of you. Bye for now.